In the movie Finding Neverland, Johnny Depp plays J.M. Barry, the playwright and creator of Peter Pan. At the big, at, as the play is being practiced, the theatre producer turns to him and says, the curtain goes up and behind it is fairies and crocodiles and pirates and Indians and flying children. And I don't know what to make of it. And so on the opening night, 25 seats are reserved in the audience. And these seats are filled with orphans, children from the local orphanage. And as the children enter, they stare up at the beauty of the building. They are thrilled with the excitement of the music. They experience the magic of the theatre. Then the play starts, and they laugh at the man who is dressed as a dog, acting as the children's nanny. They marvel as Peter Pan flies through the window. They scream in fright as the pirates come crashing onto the stage. They experience the play in a different way than the lawyers and the doctors and the socialites and the well-off patrons of the theatre. These people who come as much to be seen as to watch what is happening on stage. But as the play goes on, the reactions of the children begin to be matched by those of the adults. Laughter and applause fill the theatre, all leave enriched by the action on the stage that is informed and unlocked by the laughter of the children that sit next to them. Today we're going to read Ephesians 1, um, a part of scripture that has uh, massively informed my ministry here, um, and prioritised especially what I've talked about with our young people. So we're going to read all of Ephesians 1, um, and as we read, I'd love for you to consider what jumps out at you. Um, I'm reading in the New Living Translation, I'd love for you to read in whatever translation you feel called to, um, unless it's King James, then get rid of it. Uh, <laughs> um, this is Ephesians 1. Um, consider what jumps out at you as we read. <clears throat> this letter from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Jesus Christ. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has shown his kindness on us along he has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance and makes everything work out according to his plan. 
God's purpose is that we, the Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believe in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Holy Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so you may grow in your knowledge of God. I pray, with, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you may understand the confident hope that he gives to those he calls, the holy people who are enriched and who are, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realm. For he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. That is Ephesians 1. When you turn to the person next to you and tell them what jumps out at you as we read. What jumps out at you as we read Ephesians on this morning? Tell the person next to you. Natural love. Alrighty. What jumped out at people? This side. Anyone? What jumped out at you as we read this morning? Lois. Yeah, it's yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? You're only getting one this morning, so don't freak out. <laughs> Just the one sermon. Yeah, totally. Um, as a lot of the time when we read scripture together, um, I'll be I'll be like underlining stuff and circling stuff. I'm like, oh, I could preach a sermon on that. I could preach a sermon on that. And you're right. Um, quite a lot of Paul's writings are like that. Um, you look at it once, and you're like, oh, I'll talk about this. And then you look at it the next time, you're like, oh, I should talk about that. It's really awful as a preacher, because um, you have to figure out the one thing that you're going to talk about as opposed to it all. But yeah, it's very dense. There's a lot in it. Anyone else coming this way? Hannah. Yeah. To be fair, he had a lot of time on his hands. <laughs> <laughs> so you want friends like that? <laughs> yep, yep, friends who... Um, this is, when Paul talks about praying for people, there's a celebration. He's really enthusiastic about praying for people. It's really fantastic. Kevin, I saw you waving at me. Oh, just that we've been for a reason. Ooh. Yep. Anyone in the middle here? We're swinging this way. Wayne. Verse 6, verse 6 is a good verse. We praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Yeah, it's good stuff. Peter. Verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the rich of his glory and inherit in his holy people. Yeah, my, my Bible says the confident hope as well. So it's not just this wishful hope, but this confident hope that we have in Christ as well. It's good. Anyone? Anne. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's a lot in, a lot in Ephesians 1, which is why I really like it, um, that God does this stuff. God does this stuff for us. Um, not that we have to strive, not that we have to work it out, that God has done it already and we have to walk into it, essentially. Anyone else? Jan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, before the world began, um, before all things happened, I made these plans and I'm going to fulfil them as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, can I encourage you to keep reading scripture together and keep thinking what jumps out at you and sharing it um, with each other. Um, as I read Ephesians this week, this is what I heard, um, that God loves and chooses and calls each of us. God loves and chooses and calls all people. Uh, over Easter, I sat in a service feeling a little bit sorry for myself and my son was running around um, being himself, um, climbing on chairs and introducing himself to strangers, um, tripping over his own feet, um, as he does. He's beautiful. And then he ran back to me and he, and he kind of grabbed onto me and he looked up at me and all I could think was that God loves me like I love this little man who's making trouble down the back. Um, God loves me like I love him. Um, God loves me this overwhelming amount. He's proud of me. He delights in me. He celebrates my learning. And he picks me up when I fail and fall. And God loves each of us like that. Before the creation of the world, he saw us and he loved us. Before he uttered the words, let there be light, he had decided to love us and he knew us and he um, was pouring out that love towards us already. The prophet, Ze uh, uh, I'm going to say Zephaniah, um, said it like this, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. These are the words about a God who delights in us, who thinks that we're pretty awesome and loves us. Um, God loves you and God loves the person next to you. And God loves all people. And in the midst of loving all people, God chooses all people as well. He chooses us to be holy and faultless. He chooses us to pour out his kindness and grace towards. He chooses us to be showered with wisdom. He chooses us to be filled with his gift, uh, with his Holy Spirit and to operate with his gifts. He makes a place for each of us in his kingdom and church and family. He decided in advance to adopt us into his family. There is a place reserved for you in the family of God today. Today you may have noticed as you walked in that there are 25 seats in this church that have reserved signs on them. These seats belong to someone whom God loves and chooses. It is their space here because God loves them. They have a space here in our midst and in God's body. It doesn't belong to us. It belongs to them. You might even need to move a little bit to let them in. God saved that place for someone. He made that space for them. He chose them before he created the world and decided to know them and to have a place in his body for them. That place is reserved by God for someone and they are very welcome to it. If you're here this morning and you haven't taken your place in God's family, talk to the person next to you. They would love to talk to you more about following Jesus and joining in his kingdom.
God decided in advance to adopt you into his family, and it gives him great pleasure to do so. I hope and pray that you respond to the invitation of God to join his family and to participate in his kingdom. And if you don't decide today, your space is always reserved. It is always open to you. God will continue to wait. God chose you to be in his family. And God chooses all people to be in his family as well. And God calls all people too. He has a job for you. He has a job for you that only you can do. That seat is reserved for you, but not, so that you have a, not just so you have a place, but because we need you in that place. This body and the kingdom of God needs you to be you and to be used by God, to hear his voice as he speaks to you and through you, to experience God and to tell us about it and to stretch our understanding and our expectation. Our own understanding of God and how he moves and what he says is expanded by others, both the wisdom of the experienced and the joyful wonder of the young the difficult questions of some and the quiet faith of others. Our way, is, our way with God is bigger and better and brighter when we do it alongside others who are different from ourselves. God speaks to and through people of all ages. God engages with and through people of all nations. God loves and loves through all manners of people. And so if we want to experience God at his fullest, then we have to make space next to ourselves to experience God and to learn about God through those who are different from ourselves. We have to be better at seeing and listening, and we have to get better at showing and sharing. The, the future of our church, the future of the church, um, I think relies on this. You all have something to give to the person that is next to you. Prayer, encouragement, stories about how God works that expands our understanding. Practical help, fellowship and companionship, the list goes on. Maybe this morning um, you need to grow in your confidence to offer prayer or encouragement. Maybe you need to open up about what God is doing in your life to share your growth and your stumblings. Maybe you need to know that your simple presence can be something significant to another who is feeling alone or misunderstood. We are called to minister to the people next to us and to the people in those reserved seats, no matter their age or ability or nationality or sexuality or punctuality. Hint, hint. Um, you are called to love like God does and to help them experience Jesus. That is your job. And the person next to you has that job too. The person next to you can do these things for you. They can help you encounter God in new ways. They can help you hear God's voice speak something new and needed. They can help you experience the love and direction and call of Jesus for yourself. They are called to show us the love of God and to help us experience Jesus as well. So are we listening and are we watching to see Jesus move in them and through them? Sitting down the back is a, a once a young man who was my, uh, my leader at kids camp, um, Kirk Matheson. I saw you sneak in before. 
Um, I learned something from Kirk, and I don't know if I've ever told him, so I'm going to tell you. Um, tell him in front of all you people. Um, <laughs> um, one day, I remember um, I was probably 12 or 13, and I um, and I saw Kirk, and Kirk was really mad um, about something that had happened, um, and and I saw his anger um, about how stupid teenage relationships can be, um, <laughs> and it was this delightful moment. But I remember thinking, okay, so if yeah. if there's this guy Kirk who I really respect, um, really looked up to him, he's a few years older than me, um, and as young people do, they idealise um, people a little bit older. Um, I remember thinking, if Kirk thinks this about relationships, then he's probably totally right. Um, and so um, there was this massively formative moment in which I went, oh, these teenage relationships are really stupid. Why should you like one person one day and then a new person the next day? It just sounds awful. Um, so I remember totally locking into this idea of um, going, actually, I'll just find the right person and then marry them, um, which is totally what I did. Um, <laughs> Like, but there was this moment where, yeah, <laughs> there was this moment that I that that Kirk was just there, and I and I saw him. He didn't hide it from me, um, and and he probably wasn't. And he might not be proud of the moment um, that that. Had, but I learnt this massive lesson from it. I learnt this massive lesson um, about how relationships could work and about you know some other stuff. Um, and it was really formative because I saw him. Um, not hiding stuff. Um, the people next to you need to see you. If you're excited about what God is doing in your life, let it out. Tell people. Shout it from rooftops. Um, we want to know about it. And if you're struggling with something, then don't hide that either, because actually there's stuff that we can learn from that too. There's stuff that can help mould us and grow us, um, especially for young people. Young people cannot see a sanitised version of faith. Um, I... <laughs> for 10 years have set out to be one of the worst role models um, for your young people <laughs> so that they can see what faith is actually about. I don't sanitise stuff for our young people. Um, if, I, if I have a doubt, they get to hear about it. If I've struggled with something, they get to hear about it. Um, if I have a celebration, they get to hear about that too. Um, they've got a very accurate picture of me, which may not be great, but um, it's true. Um, I think our struggles, we have to be sharing them, we have to be sharing our doubts with each other, because they grow us, they push us to engage God more deeply. Um, we need to be doing that. We are all called to minister to and to receive from the people next to us, even the people who turn up um, in those reserved seats. I love that clip from that movie. The kids come in and they change that atmosphere and people suddenly encounter the play in a way that they definitely wouldn't have without them. Um, people next to us help us to engage God differently, um, to see God more fully. We need to, um, we're called to minister, to share to each other, um, to share each other's experiences and understanding, to grow each other, to teach and to learn, to listen and to speak, to give and to receive. That's all people are called to do, all of those things. All people are called to be the ministers of God's love and all, of, and all people are chosen to be the recipients of God's love too. Um, Mark and the team are going to come up this morning. Um, we're going to finish with some musical worship. Before we get there, um, we're going to take a moment to reflect on two questions. The first question is, what do I have to offer the person next to me? As I said, it could be a story about how you're succeeding, and it could be a story about how you're failing. It could be your happiness and joy. It could be your anger. It could be your doubt. 
What do I have to offer the person next to me? What can I teach them about God? How can I show them his love? How can I help them encounter their loving saviour? What do I have to offer the person next to me? And secondly, am I willing to have my relationship with Jesus expanded by someone in the reserved seats? Am I willing to listen and learn from someone different from myself? Am I open to hearing God's voice through someone younger or differently abled? Am I looking for Jesus in all places and in all people? Am I willing to have my relationship with Jesus expanded by someone else? We're going to take a moment just to prayerfully consider these questions.